I seem to get these introductions, and then I always feel like I have to live up to them. So here we go. But it is exciting to be here, exciting to just be together. Happy June, by the way. Where did the year go? But June is a great month. We're looking forward to what God is going to keep doing. He's been doing some amazing things. I've been so excited throughout the month of May as we had our missions month and just to hear what God is doing around the world and in our own backyard and how we were able to be a part of it and with Convoy of Hope. I have to tell you as the one who helps do the count of of the money that comes in, it was super exciting that day that we had to count the Convoy of Hope offering. And I knew in my head, this is where we're at, pre-count. And then as I'm flipping over envelopes, we reach that mark and it's almost like that tear-moving moment. Wow, we did it. And then I still had a stack. I'm like, where is this going to go? So it's amazing. And again, Pastor Mark said it. I say thank you for your generosity and just seeing what we can do together for the kingdom of God and how wonderful that is. So we have been in a series called Follow. We're in the middle of it right now. And because of Missions Month, we have taken a few weeks and gone through different missionaries and things like that. But we are now going to get back into this idea of looking at the seven attributes of a Christ follower. And these are foundational ideas for our lives that whether we're brand new to the faith or we've been walking with Jesus for a while, these should be things that are flowing through our our minds, our hearts, our lives as, as we just look to continually stay connected with Jesus and walk with him daily. So we've covered four of the seven so far. The first was being that we learn to be with Jesus. We learn to spend time with him. Then we learn to listen. We hear his teaching and we, we begin to put it into practice. We also saw that we learn to heal. And a lot of times we think, well, I can't do that. But here's what we can do, even if we're like, well, I can't heal. But we can be open to and we can be looking for God's supernatural activity and intervention in our lives. Not only in us, but through us. Last one we looked at, and this was on Mother's Day, we learned to love. We love God. We love others. We're willing the best for them despite what they may have done to us. We're continually working on learning how to love. And today, we're going to look at the next attribute, and that is learning to influence. As we walk with Christ, we learn to influence others for God. Our objective is to help people in our sphere of influence to come to know him and to desire to walk with him as well. So in our culture today, there's a phenomenon that I keep seeing, and it gets more and more buzz. It's this concept of there being influencers. And more specifically, I hear it in the realm of social media influencers. We now have YouTube influencers, we have Instagram influencers, we have Snapchat influencers, and I'm sure there is a whole list of them that we can be hearing about and there's buzz about, and what do we do with that? Whatever the outlet, these influencers have the opportunity to gain a following and influence a variety of habits, thoughts, purchases, and even more. 
And now what I find interesting is that a social media influencer can be defined roughly as a person who has built a reputation for their knowledge or their expertise on a specific topic, whose opinion is valued in that area, and as a result, has the ability to affect other people's purchasing decisions. And I begin to see a parallel for our own lives as believers. Because often these influencers can influence others because of their celebrity status. Think of all the superstar athletes or the actors and actresses that promote different products. And, you know, the idea is that if you buy that product, you'll be just like them. Okay? Think of Michael Jordan and the Air Jordan shoes. How many people bought Air Jordans thinking that they would be able to dunk like Michael Jordan? Right? I wanted to, but we could never afford them. So, but it was that hope, oh, someday I can buy the Air Jordans. And you think of all the different products that are out there now. That's just one realm. We have influencers who are influencers because of their status, their power, their wealth. We have government leaders who are influencers of society. But there are now influencers who come from all walks of life. We have moms who may blog or create videos. They share tips on recipes, baby products, kids' fashion, and more things. They may even share the things that they deal with and struggle with as an outlet to say, this is what I'm dealing with, and I know that there are more that deal with this. There are world travelers who provide reviews and tips on places where they've stayed, visited, and dined. They may even share how they lost their luggage. And they, they have, thank you for that example that I could use, um, that they lose their luggage and they're like, what are we going to do? We're going to have to go get new, you know, new clothes and everything for our cruise. Or there might be plumbers who provide insights for do-it-yourselfers who need to fix something at their house. Did you know that YouTube is one of the most now researched places for how to do things? And I'm not making this up, but there are Gen Z entertainers who dance on TikTok, play and commentate on the latest video games, and prank their friends, and they're becoming influencers of society today. I've discovered that among this rise in social media influencers, there is a common thread that is becoming more and more apparent. And this is what it is, that for the most part, they are regular people who share things that they're passionate about. So I think there's a couple of points that we can draw out from these social media influencers with respect to the attribute of influencing others for Jesus. First one is that we are regular people who share things about Jesus, the one that we are passionate about. And the second one is that as we continue to learn to follow Jesus, people will observe the transformation in our lives and we will have the opportunity to share and influence for Jesus we can affect their decision to follow Jesus. So let's look at this first idea. We are regular people who share things about Jesus. From the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus was calling people to follow him, and he would call people from all walks of life. Look at the first disciples that he invited to join him. In Matthew 4, 18 to 22, we read this, that while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. 
And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Then, if we go on a couple chapters in Matthew, we can look at another disciple that he calls to be with him. Matthew 9, 9 says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. So in these opening chapters that reflect his ministry, we see that he calls four fishermen and a tax collector. And we know that there are seven more that are added. But just think about that. You've got a tax collector among your midst. He's calling people from all walks of life. He's calling people that are going to be polar opposites. Because one of the only other ones that we do know much about, his name is Simon the Zealot. And as the Zealot, he's going to be pro-Judea, pro-Israel, and he's against anything Roman. Whereas Matthew, as a tax collector, he's working for the Romans. So you've got pro-Israel and at least working for the Romans, and probably without Jesus, the two would never meet and be in sync of any kind. So I'm sure the initial days were really interesting. Grab your popcorn, sit in the corner, and just watch. Hey, this is what's happening here amongst the disciples. They were regular people, though. The other seven, we don't know anything about. Really, as far as their backgrounds, not from Scripture. So we just know that they were regular, common, ordinary people going about their lives, yet they came to follow Jesus and be one of his disciples. And after three years of walking with Jesus, and encountering all kinds of situations with him, Jesus called them to continue to spread the good news of the kingdom after he left. He closes out the book of Matthew in chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, and he says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. In that moment, Jesus affirmed them, and he encouraged them to go share their story. They had been living and doing life with Jesus for roughly three years. They had a lot of experience now in what they've seen and just what they've witnessed Jesus do. And he says, go share those things. Go make disciples as I have made you disciples, and I am with you. Go share the things that you've heard, the things that you've seen, the things that you've experienced. The world needs to hear and see and experience those same things. In my body, I am one man. I'm sending you out as 12 men, you can have a greater impact than I can as one man. And so you may think that you are insignificant, that you're just a regular person. I'm just a fisherman. I'm a tax collector. But I, Jesus, tell you that I have all authority in heaven and on earth, and I am with you always. So as you go out to share your story, 
your experience with me, I am right there with you. And I will be with you as you go work to bring the kingdom wherever you go. And think of some of the stories that they would have had. I mean, we know the first miracle they witnessed. Do you remember Jesus turned water into wine? And we tasted it. And that was really good. That was really good wine. Another time we saw him heal a paralyzed man who was lowered down by his friends through the roof. Can you just imagine all of a sudden a guy coming down? The attention would be quickly diverted, I think. But they saw that the man got up at Jesus' command. And he was healed and he walked out of that place. Or how about the time Lazarus had died and was in the grave for several days? But Jesus came and he just said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked out of that grave alive. He was no longer dead. He was alive and he could walk and they could touch him. They probably smelt him. And they could see that he was alive. Those were some of the miracles that they might talk about. And there would be personal stories as well. Each one of them would have had individual encounters with Jesus that meant something to them. Think about Peter. Think about the night that Jesus was arrested and how Peter denied Jesus three times. And Jesus even told him that he was going to do it, and Peter said, no, you're off your rocker, Jesus. But then when it happened, Peter recognized that what Jesus had said came true, and he went out and wept bitterly. He did the ugly cry. It was bad. I can only imagine if I would have denied someone that I knew like that. But Peter then had an encounter with Jesus after his resurrection. In the Gospel of John, we read the account where Peter and Jesus are walking along. And Jesus just talked with Peter and said, Do you love me? Peter said, Yeah. And after a few times of this going back and forth, Jesus had reaffirmed Peter. He restored Peter to relationship with him. He forgave him. And he even called him to lead his followers. Think about that. The man who had denied him just a little while before, Jesus is now asking to be the one who leads the group moving forward. Peter was restored. And even today, I think you and I have stories that we can tell. We can tell stories of Jesus' transforming work in our lives. His amazing love in our lives. And some of them we may initially discount. Well, that's just normal. That's whatever, that happens to everyone. But there's still amazing things. Maybe God has brought you through something. Maybe he has healed you of something. That he showed up. He worked a miraculous healing in our own lives or the lives of a loved one. We know people in this room who have been healed. We know people in this room who have been brought through great struggles. Physical, mental, just emotional struggles. And God has brought them through. And we can share those things 
as we interact with other people, right? We can interact with people and hear, this is what they're struggling with right now. Oh, that reminds me of the time when I was going through this and Jesus helped me. He brought me through it. I didn't see like this huge miraculous event, but the miracle is that Jesus walked me through it. And then I'm standing here today to tell about it. Just think about the men and women of Teen Challenge who shared last week. They were some among us who share that Jesus took them from a place of brokenness, that their lives were in utter shambles. And Jesus picked them up. He put them back together. He gave them a new life. And now they are walking free. That song that they sang has been ringing in my head all week. Walking free. Because Jesus came and he touched their lives. You and I may be able to share how Jesus has given us unexplainable peace in the midst of very stressful and painful and possibly dark times. We have faced situations. I'm sure each one of us can think of different situations in our lives where we did not know how we were going to make it through. And yet, by the grace of God, we are all here today. And we can continue to encourage each other. Some of us are facing those dark times right now. And we can encourage each other. We can love each other. We can help each other. That's what the body of Christ is meant to do. So we can share because we know that he is the Prince of Peace who gives us hope and peace and love in the midst of struggles and dark times. We also know that we have the power of the Holy Spirit and that you and I have a story to tell because of what Jesus has done for us. And we can do that because of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Acts 1.8 says this promise from Jesus, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We read earlier that Jesus told us to go and make disciples and that he is with us always. And here we see that he promises that we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. The Holy Spirit will give us power to share our stories in effective and influential ways. The Holy Spirit is always working, and we have that opportunity to come alongside him and partner with him in what he's doing. We just have to open ourselves up to that and be aware of what he is doing. So when our coworker or our friend shares that she is stressed about the financial troubles she is in, and we are reminded of that time when we had financial stresses and how the Lord brought us through, how he provided, or he just walked us through each step and gave us the wisdom to make it through. We can share our story and know that the Holy Spirit is guiding you to be an influence for Jesus. Again, you and I have the power of the Holy Spirit available to us, and we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be effective witnesses for Christ. You and I can share our individual stories, and they can influence others because the Holy Spirit is at work in and through us. So earlier we talked about two points that we could draw from the concept of social media influencers as it relates to this idea of being an influencer for Jesus. We've looked at the first point, that we're regular people who have stories to share about Jesus, the one whom we are passionate about. 
And while that first point has an outward focus, I think the second point has a little bit more of an inward, personal, or reflective focus. And the second point will often need to be in progress before we get the opportunity for the first to take place. So let's look again at that second point. As we continue to learn to follow Jesus, people will observe the transformation in our lives and we will have the opportunity to share and influence them for Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we should be becoming more like him. As we spend time with him, as we listen to his voice, as we obey his principles, an ongoing change begins to happen in our lives. And as that occurs, people are going to notice. People are going to notice, you used to be this way, and now you're acting different. They might even say, you're acting a little funny. What's up? So your family, your friends, those around you will begin to observe that something is different with us. And for that observation to occur, I think we need to consider and reflect on a foundational idea for our lives, and it is this. To influence others for Jesus, we ourselves need to be influenced by Jesus continually. To be able to influence others, we need to be influenced by Jesus continually. We can attract people to Jesus through our lives as we truly follow him, as we live lives that are going in his direction. And I will be the first to admit, I am not perfect. Even though I've been saved for a long time, I have not achieved perfection, and I will not achieve perfection while I am here on this earth. But I do know that I can follow him, and I can do it to the best of my ability, and as the Spirit empowers me. And as I do that, people are going to notice that there is something different beyond the normal different that they see in me, okay? But we should be asking ourselves, am I allowing Jesus to change my life so that I reflect him more and more? Or am I just sprinkling a little Jesus in my life to make me feel better? Is it like Parmesan cheese on top of your salad or whatever? Am I spending time in his presence so that he can transform me for his glory and allow others to see what he can do for them? Or am I content with doing my duty of coming to church for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning? Jesus came that we would have life, and that we would have it abundantly or to the full. He did not and does not want us to remain in the garbage dump of our sin-filled lives. He has redeemed us, He has paid the price for our sins, and he wants to restore us to a full, thriving, abundant life in him. And he's not going to force that on us. But he sure wants that life for us. A life that is unhindered and unshackled by the things that we can do that destroy our lives. And boy, we can fall into that really quick, right? 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 describes the intended transformation like this. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, 
nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We were like this prior to coming to know Christ. We may identify with some of those things in our past, but we are no longer like that as his children. We have been called to a new, full, abundant life where Jesus reigns in our lives and guides us in all that we do. We can navigate this life and what it has as we follow him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, where Paul reminds us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Our old life, our old habits, our old way of thinking should be gone. At a minimum, they should be dying off and going away as Jesus makes us a new creation and continues to transform each one of us into his image. We may have things in our lives that even if we've been serving the Lord for 40, 50, 60 years, that the Lord is still dealing with us on things. Yes, he's delivered me from this and this and this and this. He's working on delivering me from this. I still need to be delivered from this. And there are all these other things. Like I said, I'm not perfect. And here's my word of encouragement. Neither are you. None of us is perfect, but we are works in process and we are becoming beautiful in Christ. So before Christ, we may have been a drunk and an adulterer. But now that we are following Christ, we are living a life of sobriety, purity, and faithfulness. We may have been a liar and a gossip, but now in Christ, we speak words of truth and honesty and encouragement. Let me go back to that point before. To influence others for Jesus, we ourselves need to be influenced by Jesus continually. And think about when that does not happen for a moment. We have probably encountered people who say they love Jesus, but you would never know it by the way they live their lives. I don't know about you, kind of leaves like this nasty taste in your mouth when you encounter those people. Maybe you even feel like, I just feel filthy. Because they're not following Christ and they're putting Christ's name in a bad light. They may say that they follow Jesus, but their lives don't reflect that. For example, they attend a church religiously and they may participate in church functions. Sorry if this is you. But they are one of the crabbiest people you know. That you can't even smile at them without them giving you the evil eye. Hey, I love my grandma. She's no longer with us. But the thing that would always crack me up is she would say, I came to church to hear the word of God, not love my neighbor. (laughs) I don't think she meant it the way it came out. But that's one of those that you just hold and you file away and you say, oh, grandma. 
They sit in their seat and their resting face is simply crabby. Oh, you know those people. And you think to yourself, I guess they're still looking for the joy of the Lord. It's been 40 years and they're still looking. Ooh, yeah. The people in their circle see that and they say to themselves, why would I ever want to follow Jesus if I would end up just being crabby all the time? That's a lighthearted example. There are many other examples that we can, we can think about. But Jesus has called us to be people of influence in the world around us. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls his followers to walk in a new way. Right after the Beatitudes, he calls us to be people who attract people to him, to influence people through the way you live your life. Here's what he says in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus here is calling us to live lives of distinction from the world around us and the sin that consumes it. First, he tells us that we are salt. Not that we are becoming salt or that we will be salt one day. As his followers, we are now salt. And in his time, salt was primarily used as a preservative. They didn't have refrigerators. I know, shocking. Um, But they had to preserve the meat that they would butcher in different ways. And the way that they discovered was to throw tons of salt on it. It would then preserve it and keep it from spoiling rapidly if they didn't put the salt on. So it was necessary that they do this in order to slow down the growth of bacteria and preserve the meat while it dried or until they would eat it. Therefore, Jesus calls us, his followers, to be and act as salt in the world in which we live. The world is rotting and decaying all around us because of sin and its effects. As Christ followers, we need to be people who are salt, who influence the people around us for the glory of God and for their good. For if our Christianity, our claim to follow Christ, is empty, rotting, and decaying because we live just like the world does in all of its sin and decay, our salt won't be any good. It will be worthless. It'll be tasteless. It will preserve and influence nothing. And it's important to remember in all of this that we likely will not influence the whole of society, but we can be salt in our circle, our bubble, if you will. We can influence individual lives around us. And then Jesus goes on and tells us that we are light. Again, we are already light as his followers. It's not a future status. It's something that we are now. This world is a dark and corrupted place, and it needs light It needs a light of truth and hope to show that Jesus is real and that there is a better way. And as Jesus' followers, we can bring light to the world around us. He said in John 8, I am the light of the world. 
And we've received that light in our lives as Christ followers. No, wa- no longer walking in darkness. And we can now give that light to people. But, again, if our Christian life imitates the darkness in the world around us, we have nothing to show the world. Again, the world will look at us and say, why do I want to bring Jesus into my life if there is no change? They're no different than me. They do the same things I do. So what's the point? To take it a stretch, why would I waste 90 minutes on a Sunday morning sitting in church if it's not going to do me any good? In calling us the light of the world, Jesus calls us to a new life, a new way of living, where he wants us to live out his teachings before the world so that the people around you can see the glory of God at work in your life to see the transformation that occurs in your life as you are surrendering and saying, I'm following him, and this is what life can be. We can let them see and observe the changes happening in how we talk, how we act, how we respond to situations. And we can let them remember what we used to be like, and they can now see what we are like now. Make it so they ask, who are you and what have you done with Mitch? What have you done with Mark? What have you done with Susie or Johnny or whomever? Let that be a question that comes up. Who are you and what have they done with you? To influence others for Jesus, we ourselves need to be influenced by Jesus continually. Let's be the salt of the earth and the light of the world that Jesus has called us to be. In Ephesians 5, Paul gives us a guiding principle as we live as a Christ follower. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. My encouragement for you today is let's resolve in our hearts to walk as children of light and allow the light of Christ to penetrate the darkness in the world around us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come to the platform at this point as we begin to close. And as we follow Jesus, whether we've been at it for decades or that this is all brand new, we have the opportunity to influence people around us for him. And this is something that we can be learning to do as we continue to follow Jesus. Our goal is to help people in our sphere of influence to come to know him and desire to walk with him as well. And you have people in your sphere that I may never meet. But you can share, you can influence, you can be the one that shows them Jesus in how you're living how he has provided for you, how he has healed you, or how he has given you strength to face a difficult situation, how he has changed you from who you once were, that you used to have all kinds of baggage that just weighed you down, but you no longer do because of what Jesus has done in your life. And we get that opportunity to share our story, to influence that person as we live a life that is being influenced by Jesus continually. We are not, and again, we will not ever be perfect, but our lives 
can demonstrate that there's a change that has happened and continues to happen. We no longer are who we once were. We are now salt and light, living lives distinct from the world around us, all to the glory and praise of God, the one who saved us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have given us life, that you have given us new life, and that it is meant to be full, abundant, thriving, life filled with hope and peace, even in the midst of turmoil and struggles and situations that we face. Thank you for your great love toward each of us. Thank you that for many of us in this room, we have experienced that love in such profound ways. And we continue to experience it as we just walk with you each and every day. So help us to be the salt of the earth. Help us to be people who influence those around us to want to know you, to save them from the rottenness and the decaying of this world. Help us to be the light of the world, showing your light that brings hope and truth and life. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide each of us, empower us to be your witnesses in amazing ways for your glory. May we be open to your prompting to share our story and to yield to your direction. So Lord, be glorified through us, your followers. May the people around us, the people that we've been praying for, see your transforming work in our lives and see your glory. This morning, I I feel impressed to give an opportunity for people to say, I want to follow Jesus. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's that you've been going down a wrong path and you're saying, I need to return to Jesus and to walk with him. So in these next moments, I'm going to ask you to do something just as a sign that says, I want to start or I want to re-begin to follow Jesus. And that sign is just to simply lift up your hands and just say, I'm in. I want to follow Jesus. I want to repent of my sin and I want to walk in a new direction. So I'm going to face your right, my left, and I'm just going to begin to scan across the sanctuary. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. Thank you. Moving to the middle section now. Thank you. Thank you. Now the section on your left, my right. Thank you. Thank you. So as a church family, let's pray a prayer of of dedication together. So if you would just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love. 
And today, I want to follow you. I want to put my sin behind me and walk a new path. I want to walk with you day by day. Lord, begin the work in me that needs to be done so that I can be salt and light in the world around me. Help me to walk with you. It may be a challenge, but I know you are with me. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. something to celebrate when people give their lives to the Lord. And so if that was you today, I encourage you to talk to someone today. It can be me, it can be one of the staff, it can be a friend of yours that you came with and just say, that was me. I dedicated or I rededicated my life to the Lord. And that gives that opportunity for them to hold you accountable in a good way that we want to encourage you, we want to help you along the way. So if there is anything that we can do to help along those ways, we want to be able to do that as a church family.